Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Isaiah 61.3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Read it with me. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Beauty for ashes? This word beauty is incredibly beautiful to me and interesting. This word beauty means headdress. This word beauty means exquisite hat. I was watching one of the TV preachers. And some of them folks, they be wearing some exquisite hats. You ever seen them? You're like this big. (laughs) They've got gold wrapped around. They touch the ceiling. It's like you can't miss these hats. They're like nice. I mean, they're cool. And this word beauty in Hebrew It means headdress. It means exquisite hat. So Jesus is saying to his people there in Isaiah 61, he says, let's sweep off the ashes off your head. And here's a beautiful hat. Instead of mourning, here's the oil of joy. Instead of the spirit of heaviness, here's a garment of praise. Question, are you heavy tonight? Are you heavy Put on praise. Put on praise. Feeling blue? You don't know what to do? Put on praise. Don't you love it when people are wearing praise? This is something you can wear. Can't get it from Nordstrom's. Can't buy it. It's something the Lord gives. Put on praise. Got some battles to fight? It seems hot and heavy, put on praise. And the interesting thing about this garment of praise, the interesting thing about it is this garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness, you can't wear them both at the same time. No, 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 no mix and matching. Not here. Nope. You got to take off one and put on the other. So if you're wearing a spirit of heaviness, If you want to wear the garment of praise, you have to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. But you can't wear them at the same time. It's either one or the other. A garment of praise. Man, is is that lacking in the church today or is it just me? Christians, Christian folks, Christian people. Godly people, people who say they love God, people who say they want to worship God, people who say that they, 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 they want to be the people of God, then, 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 then we should be people who are wearing this garment of praise. How often do you see people and how you doing? Christian people, how you doing? 
Well, you know, not so good. Well, what's going on here? Well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with me and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's like heavy, man. As if because you had a problem, God died. I mean, people act like this. I'm telling you as a pastor, I know. People act like God died. Well, you don't know what's going on, and it's so bad, and all of these things. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why not just simply cast off that spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise? Someone said this, count your blessings and name them one by one and see what the Lord has done. Well, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this. Well, what do you, what do you have? I mean, seriously, what do you have? Well, then count your blessings and name them one by one and then begin to praise God for what he has done. Put on the garment of praise. Things hot, things heavy, send out Judah. Your life's messed up, send out Judah. Praise. I I really believe that. I I do believe that. If you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you probably heard this spiel before because I believe it. You know, people come in and they want to counsel with me before service. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I hear the worship music going. Hear the worship music going. You know, I love to talk, but I got to go worship. You know what happens is, is you ever get caught? It's happened. I learned. You, I got caught, like, counseling people during worship. Counseling people doing teaching. It's happened to pretty much all of us. And, and the worship's going on and you're like telling them, you know, man, save your words, okay? Just tell them, look, stop, time out, okay? Let's go to worship. I'll sit next to you. We'll worship the Lord together. We'll hear the teaching. And then after service, let's get together. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Take you to Burger King. Get you some fries, Barbecue sauce, not ketchup. You know what happens? God speaks to them during the worship. God, God just speaks to their heart during the worship, during the teaching. They come out and they go, you know, you know, I take a rain check on Burger King, man. <laughs> you know, God said this during worship, and God said that during the teaching, and, and God really spoke to my heart, and I think I got direction now. Thanks a lot, bro. And you go, yes, thank you, Lord. That's what I was hoping for. You see, because I I really believe that God does really answer his people when we put our problems aside. That's why we have worship here. It's not filler. Worship's not time filler. Y'all should say amen there. If you've been here, you know that. Worship's not time filler till Rodney gets up and speaks. Oh, well, just, you know. I mean, you know, people approach worship like that. You know, well, let's just get over with. Well, lift your hands to the Lord. No, you know, what about the Lord? Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Speak, Lord, speak, speak, speak. So we worship because we believe that worship is important because when we are heavy, when things are hot, when there's battles, or we've got these enemies and these pockets of resistance that we just can't seem to get victory over our flesh, God empowers his people. Not only that, but the Bible says praise looks good on the upright and the praise looks comely on the, on the righteous, on the upright in heart. 
Praise is so important. We could go on and on and on. Look at verse 3. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother. Now you got to think of your map that I showed you a week ago or a week ago, I think it was. Um, Judah said to, to, to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we might fight against the Canaanites. And I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. And then Judah went up in verse four and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the parasites into their hands. And they killed 10,000 men at Bezek and they found Adonai Bezek. That, that's the king in Bezek. His name means, write it down, Lord of Lightning. This guy was a bad dude. Adonai Bezek, Lord Adonai. Remember, praise Adonai, Hebrew word Adonai, Lord. Bezek, in Bezek. He was a king of Bezek and fought, and fought against him. And they defeated the Canaanites and the Parasites. And then Adonai Bezek fled and they pursued him, and they caught him, and they cut off his thumbs and big toes. That's gross. And Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Stop right there. Judah was to lead the march, and Judah asked Simeon, his brother, to go with him. Now, remember the tribe of Judah. I told you about the map. Remember, Judah was the, the biggest tribe. And do you remember who was in the center of Judah? Simeon. Judah surrounded Simeon. Now, some commentators have a problem with this verse. They say that Judah, asking Simeon to go with him to battle, that it was showing cowardice, that he was being a coward. It was a cowardice on Judah's, on Judah's uh, part. I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't think it shows cowardice. I think it shows cooperation. I think it was wise to partner with another tribe because the work was easier. I see it as no more than what we do and how the body of Christ functions. It seems to me the tribes are functioning like the body of Christ and the way we should function. We need each other and we need every part of the body. And, and when we work together, it's easier. So I don't see it as cowardice on Judah's part. I see it as cooperation. And not only that, but they, Judah surrounded Simeon. So they were kind of right there together. It almost just made sense. Well, Judah and Simeon, they went up and they killed 10,000 men of Bezek. And they took Adonai Bezek, the king, and they cut off his thumbs and his toes, which is pretty gross. Now, this is important. To be thumbless and big toeless it would render you helpless. And this was really important. I mean, think about it. If you don't have a thumb, you can't fight in battle. You can't even pick up your fork. Try picking up a fork without your thumb. This little thing is important. Well, some of ours is bigger than some of ours. But, but it's important. And your toes, your big toe. Without it, you couldn't stand up. You lose your balance. So to cut off his thumbs and cut off his toes would render him Helpless. He can't fight. He can't feed himself. He can't run too far. 
And so he couldn't hold a weapon. So, I mean, this was really important. Now, 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 please, let me ask you to forgive me right up front here, okay? Please forgive me for the pun, okay? But this would leave him totally defeated. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Last week, there was like this pool out there in the audience. People were writing all the puns down. And, uh, but, yeah, so now in the Roman culture, I found this interesting. I actually, I worked on that one all day. <laughs> Now, now, look, in the Roman culture, get this. I found this interesting. If you wanted to get out of active duty, you know, sometimes today they, people act like they got emotional problems or psychological problems. They try to get off of active duty and not go to war. But in the Roman culture, if you didn't want to go to war and you try to get out of war, they would cut off your thumbs. Or you'd cut off your thumbs. If a mother or, you know, a parent would cut off the thumbs of their children so they wouldn't be called to go in the army. So this was a somewhat common practice of just rendering people unable to really participate in in, in war and, and really in society as a whole. So they took Adonai Bezek, they cut off his thumbs, they cut off his toes. But, but you got to notice what he said. Look at verse 7 again. Look at verse 7 again. Notice what he said. He said, I've done this to 70 kings in the past, and they had to gather scraps under my table. So as I have done, God has done to me. This is commendable. Here we have a pagan heathen king who understands the law of reaping and sowing. He's got it. You know, if you cut down others, you're going to be cut down. That's what we've been talking about. I think we say it like this. What goes around comes around. Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Paul says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you've been here on Sunday mornings, you know Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you treat others harshly and unfairly, expect to be treated the same way. If you don't show mercy and grace, mercy and grace won't be there for you. The law of reaping and sowing is inescapable. You can't get away from it. Here we have Adonai Bezek. He understood it, and he had some basic spiritual understanding. And they brought him back to Jerusalem there in verse 7, and he died. Look at verse 8. Now the children of Judah, they fought against Jerusalem, and they took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, and they set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down in verse 9 to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. Then Judah went up again, went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba. Remember that place? Kirjath Arba was actually the word Arba means loud and large. It's in this city that the giants dwelt. Remember that? We talked about it. And they killed Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there, in verse 11, they went against the inhabitants of Derby. The name of Derby was formerly Kirjath. Kirjath means city. Kirjath. Sefer. Sefer means books. So apparently, in this city, 
It was like an intellectual center or higher learning center, or actually it means books or library. So the city of books, the city of libraries. And then Caleb said, whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother, took it. And so he gave him his daughter, Aksa, his wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey. And Caleb said to her, what do you wish? Or what do you ask? What do you want? So she said to him, give me a blessing, dad. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now in verse 12 through 15, this is a recount of the story found in Joshua chapter 15. It's a recount of that story there in uh, Joshua chapter 15 of Caleb offering his daughter Aksa to any man who would attack the city of uh, Sefer, uh, the city of books. And so we won't go over that. We've dealt with that in previous studies. Notice in uh, verse 16, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms. That would be Jericho if you're taking notes. Now, again, Jericho was already destroyed, but the people still referred to the area, and they referred to the location. And so they went up from the city of Palms, Jericho, with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad. And they went and they dwelt among the people. And Judah went with his brother Simeon. And they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah, which means destruction. Also Judah took Gaza with its territories, Ascalon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. Uh, You probably know these are Philistine cities. Very, very funny, funny, funny story that happened in these Philistine cities. You ought to check out Samuel, and uh, you'll find out. But these are all Philistine cities that Judah took. So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers. And this is interesting. But they could not, underline that, drive out the inhabitants of the lowland, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron to Caleb and Moses, As Moses has said, and then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak, that would be giants. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. And the house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And so the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance of the city, and we will show you mercy. And so he showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all of his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a city, and called its name Luz, which is its name to this day. Now, it's very, very interesting here. At this time, Jerusalem was held by the Canaanites and not occupied by them, but held by them. 400 years later, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, read that on your own. 400 years later, David would occupy the city. So these Canaanites, again, very evil, very, very wicked men. Notice in verse 19, though I had you underlined, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland. Judah was successful in the mountains, but discouraged and defeated in the valley. 
Did you see that? Why? Because of the chariots. Because chariots were like tanks in those days. And they were defeated in the lowlands. You know, it made me think of the men's retreat. Fellas, we were, we, were, we were getting victory over the enemy in the mountains, weren't we? Got to the lowlands. I also got emails about guys who were like, Pastor Ronnie, we got back and everything's terrible. <laughs> Defeated in the lowlands. Now, you got to know. And Satan's waiting at the bottom of the hill. You're up on the mountain getting victory. But when you get down, Satan's waiting for you there, too. You got to know that. Well, notice in verse 27, however, Manasseh, again, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shem. Did you notice Judah could not, and, and, and because they were tough, and because of what they were seeing, they weren't trusting the Lord, they were looking at those chariots. Judah couldn't, but, but Manasseh did not <laughs> drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shem and its villages, and, and Tanak and its villages, inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblium and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. Remember, we talked about the Canaanites representing the flesh, pockets of resistance determined. And it came to pass in verse 28, when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but they did not completely drive them out. Verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of uh, Nahala, Nahala. Verse 31, nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants. Notice in verse 32, and the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out, nor did Naphtali in verse 33 In verse 34, the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. Now, the boundary of the Amorites was from the accent of Akrabim, in verse 36, from Selah and outward. Fascinating, fascinating verses. The Israelites going through the land. They're supposed to be dealing with and driving out the Canaanites. But did you notice they didn't drive any of them out? They were supposed to drive them out, meaning kill them. Did you notice what they did do? They took tribute of them. In other words, they made them pay taxes. Now, did God tell them to take them captive and make them give taxes? Did God tell them to say no? No. You guys don't know this? I'm giving you the answer. Say no. No. God didn't tell them to do that. What did God tell them to do? Drive them out. Kill them. Don't make them pay money. Don't be in debt to them financially, but to kill them. And because they were disobedient, it was very, very, very difficult for them in the future. I mean, think about it. They already had to overcome fear and complacency, and now they had to be willing to give up their income because they started taking this money from them and and, and depending on it. How many Christians do that? I counsel with a couple. And, and, and they were living together and obviously sexually involved. And they had combined their financial resources and their bank account. And they, they were living together and they bought a house together and they bought a car together. And so they come in for counseling. The first thing I say is, y'all need to move out. Well, now we can't. Why? Because we're financially dependent on each other now. And that was more difficult. 
then if they would have just done what God told them to do in the first place, they, they, things would have been right in the first place, and they wouldn't be having these problems today. You understand I'm, I'm saying? I'm running out of time here. But I'm, I'm just trying to tell you, don't become bedfellows with the Canaanites. Not a good thing. Do what God tells you to do all the time. Destroy the Canaanites. You know, God has one word for your flesh, and it's not reform it. Thank you. It's crucify it. Put it to death. And that's what he says to the Canaanites, to, the, to, to his people. Put the Canaanites to death. Don't take their money. Don't take their spoil. Don't take their stuff. Don't become bedfellows with your flesh. Because what will happen is it's more difficult as you keep feeding your flesh, fellas and ladies. It becomes more difficult to give victory over them. And that is exactly why the people continue to do evil in the sight of the Lord. That is exactly why we have the sin cycle throughout the entire book. Why? Because they would not destroy the Canaanites who represent the flesh. And Dan, Dan couldn't even stand up to them. They just went running to the mountains. The Amorites, they were some tough dudes. They were some bad dudes. And Dan, they they couldn't even stand up to them. They just gave up. Don't give up. You trying to get victory over your flesh? Don't give up. Don't go running to the mountains like Dan. You stand and fight. Don't seek enjoyment and pleasure and comfortability because you don't want to deal with your flesh. So you tolerate and you live with and you stay there and you continue in that sin that God is saying, give that up. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. If you will destroy the Canaanites, notice it says they did not and they would not. Not that it was impossible. It was possible because God told them to do it. If God tells you to do something... Don't you know he's given you the power to do it? Ain't that, isn't that right? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.